As one of America's largest financial services companies, Nationwide makes simplicity a priority so financial professionals can help their clients achieve their retirement goals. Nationwide Investment Services Corporation, member FINRA, Columbus, Ohio. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance with Tom Keene, Jonathan Farrow and Lisa Abramowitz on Bloomberg Radio. That does it for the main news conference of the Federal Reserve with Chairman Jay Powell there following a 25 basis point increase. Looking ahead on the economy, this is what he had to say. His forecast is for modest growth, not a recession. On policy, he was asked, is this a pause? We're getting closer. We may be there. We discussed it, but here's the important but. A decision on a pause was not taken today. Are we sufficiently restrictive? That's going to be an ongoing assessment on cuts. Mike McKee pushing hard on that in the news conference. Did you see that? The FOMC's inflation outlook, Tom, doesn't support rate cuts. The only one in the conference where there was really a stumble once again Always. was McKee. Always. If you I are mean, just tuning in on TV and radio, this is a special edition of Bloomberg Surveillance. Covering the Federal Reserve's latest interest rate increase with Tom Keane. Who wants to go home alongside Lisa Brambitz? I'm Jonathan Ferro, who is very happy to stay with you. If you are just tuning in, welcome to the program. This is what the chairman had to say. With our monetary policy, we're trying, trying to reach and then and then stay at a uh, for an extended period a level of, of policy a policy stance that's sufficiently restrictive to bring inflation down to two percent over time. We always have to balance the risk of not doing enough and and not getting inflation under control against the risk of maybe slowing down economic activity too much. And we thought that this rate hike, along with the meaningful change in, in uh, our policy statement, was the right way to balance that. This assessment will be an ongoing one. The chairman of the Federal Reserve said policy was tight. You put credit tightening on top of that, throwing QT. We may not be far off or possibly even at that level when you get closer and closer to being sufficiently restrictive. I think, Tom, the chairman is struggling to reflect there a consensus on the committee. Yeah without drowning out that consensus on the committee with his own personal view. Absolutely. You can sense how Absolutely. hesitant he was and, addressing that question. And for those of you on radio, there's a time where he looks down and reads a prepared comments, and we saw that three, four, five times, it seemed, uh, throughout. What I would really emphasize, besides the decline we see down on 200, SPX down 18, is how little the market moved during the press conference. Compared to the last four, five, six press conferences, I don't think there was a gyration, the emotion within the conference. Initially, the people, Tom, described it as dovish. Lisa, I have to say, <laughs> listening to that news conference, that's not my personal assessment of what I heard over the last 50 minutes. Inflation is a preeminent concern, and that's clear. That said, the market has not shifted in its view that this will be the last cut in this rate hiking cycle that has been the fastest going back to 1981. We just witnessed it according to market pricing, and that from here, the next move will likely be a cut, and it could come as soon as September. Mm. And perhaps... He he had no conviction about pretty much anything, but he did uh, sort of reflect the seesaw underpinning the debates at the Federal Reserve, at the FOMC, that just gave confirmation to markets. Told you what their new focus was, though, right? Yeah. Credit tightening, Tom. It's going to be a big focus for this committee yeah, and this over the next couple is, of months. This is the overlay of 
all these other events that are happening, banking, commercial real estate, et cetera, what does that affect on restrictive? And I've repeated this, I think, twice today. It goes back to Constant Mizuho and this phrase, super restrictive. How restrictive are we now? And some would suggest more restrictive than we imagine, just looking at the data. I'm just going to put this out there. I suspect that the senior loan officer opinion survey is going to be really boring. And the reason why is because he made it sound that way. He had a written statement when someone asked him, yes, what does it say? Did. And he yes. looks down, he's like, oh, I can't give you any preview, but just to think but, it's in line. And it's, you know, probably we've mm. seen this tightening since the second half of last year. And it's been ongoing, et cetera. So, but this you enjoyed <laughs> the last 50 minutes, I can tell. <laughs> I mean, I just was thinking to myself, all these people trying to get him to say something. And he's just like, look, we don't know. And we're doing the best that we can. I think the economy is in better shape than my colleagues. We all agree, though, and yeah, kumbaya. The most important headline from the whole thing, looking ahead, we will take a data-dependent approach to policy. You predicted this. We will, date, we, we will be data-dependent. <laughs> we will be data-dependent. Yeah, well, let's do this right now. Let us jump to someone who's absolutely been out front on the trajectory of the Fed, and that is William Dudley. He's, yes, a Bloomberg opinion columnist, yes, a former uh, president of the New York Fed, but far more a gentleman of Berkeley steeped in our economic history. Bill Dudley, I've been dying to ask you this question. This word pause has come up. And the arch question to me to get to June and on to the rest of uh, what we observe in 2023, if they pause, is it asymmetric or symmetric? Does a pause mean rate cuts to come? Or they can say, we're going to pause and we can go either way. The historians, John Taylor of Stanford across the pond from your Berkeley, Barry Eichengreen and others, would they say there's a precedent to analyzing asymmetric or symmetric pausing? Well, I think they can pause and, and then continue to tighten again if the data turns out to support that. But obviously, when they do pause, they're making a pretty strong statement that they've gotten enough information, that they're confident that policy is sufficiently restrictive, to use Chairman Powell's terms, to bring inflation down to 2% over time. So a pause is going to be a pretty significant event from the from the Fed. Now, obviously, context matters. If we're in the middle of a debt limit ceiling fight at the time of the June FOMC meeting, you might take a pause for other reasons. But I would say a pause will be a pretty uh, important event. What the Fed was trying to do today was say, look, we don't know if we're going to pause or, or not at this point. Uh, the message, I think, in the statement and in the press conference was pretty clear. We think we're getting close to a level that's sufficiently rest restrictive. We're not absolutely certain. Right. The data is going to tell us that we have to do a little bit more. We're clearly not going to cut yet. So I think the, the the pushback that the Fed is making is really to the market's pricing and rate cuts. The Fed thinks that the process of getting inflation down to 2% is going to take some time, a lot longer than what the market thinks. I heard one word in the beginning of the uh, comments, and it uh, uh, echoed from Lyle Brainerd. I believe she's at 1600 Pennsylvania this week. And the former vice chair would suggest cumulative. What is the cumulative effect of where we are right now, given how you nailed the need for higher rates to fight inflation? Well, we're certainly in the vicinity of what was sufficient, I think, in my mind. Uh, whether they have to do another you know, increase or two, it's, it's hard to say at this point. You know, we've come a long way in the last year. As Chair Paul said in his press conference, you go 500 basis points, 5% increase in short-term rates. That's a lot in a, in a year. And we're also starting to see some of the effects of that on the on the banking system so that the Fed has a whole other source of restraint, which is uh, credit uh, conditions are going to tighten because some banks are going to pull off. Now, the hard part, as he said in his press conference, it's very hard to assess how important that ch channel is going to be. My own personal view is it's going to be fairly weak because – 
the problems that these banks face were not that they went out and made bad loans. The problem that, that these banks face is they went out and took a lot of interest rate risk. Bill, were you satisfied with the explanations or the answers to the questions about the supervisory of some of these banking institutions that have failed? Well, I don't think the Fed is, you know, taking the full responsibility for being pretty uh, slow on this process. I mean, if you go back and look at the November financial stability report, which I did this morning, uh, there's there's basically no mention of any kind of you know interest rate risk mismatch, any kind of liquidity potential liquidity problem uh, in the bank. So it wasn't just a question of the supervision not being uh, more aggressive with Silicon Valley Bank. I think the Fed basically missed the risk here that deposits could flow out very very quickly because of the mark to market losses on some of these banks' balance sheets. Do you think then, Bill, they're still missing it that they don't appreciate the full extent of it based on for example, the preliminary look that they got of the senior loan officer uh, opinion survey, which seemed to indicate just an ongoing trend of what they had seen. Are they underappreciating a new pressure in the market? I think that his answer on the senior loan officer survey, it, it was that it's, it's moving in the same direction that it was upward, you know, tightening of credit conditions, but not in a way that would suggest that the, that the problems of the banking system since mid-March have you know led to a significant further tightening of credit conditions. So I think he's basically saying there's not really any new information in the senior loan officer survey. That was my my sense of his response to that to, to that question. Hey, Dr. Dudley, what you just said is extraordinary. You said basically the Fed missed the ramifications of new digital technology, the speed with which we can move deposits out. A delicate question, if I may, Bill. And that is basically they want Mary Daly's head. There's no other way to put it nicely. You've had experience being a president of a Fed. Do you go after the president of any given regional Fed when there's a major blow up like this? Or is it much more down the food chain looking at the process of supervision and regulation? I think it's a much broader issue about uh, supervisors finding finding problems with banks and then not forcing the banks to remedy those problems in a timely way. Uh, the second issue here was I think the Fed broadly missed the fact that, 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 that this interest rate risk that they had created by being very late to tighten monetary policy, that they created by flooding the bank with deposits by doing quantitative easing, that they created part of the stress on the banking system that arose when they had to tighten monetary policy by 5% in a little over a year. So the Federal Reserve has some culpability here, both in terms of the monetary policy, policy policies that they pursued over the last few years, and also in on the supervisory side. It's certainly culpability. They're not really looking to go out and acknowledge in a major way, that's for sure, based on some of the statements well, we've they, heard. They have to a degree. I mean, I thought the, I thought the, the, the Fed report from Michael Barr that came out last week was did acknowledge that there was a lot of improvement on the supervisory side that that needed to be made. But I don't think the Fed has acknowledged the fact that the monetary policy regime that they followed, which was to be purposefully late in tightening monetary policy, meant you were encouraging banks to take on more interest rate risk. And then those banks got caught. And yep. the Federal Reserve had rates raised by 500 basis points. Well, that's an assessment your successor at the New York Fed certainly doesn't share, based on his most recent comments. Mike McKee's run out of the news conference to catch up with us. Mike, wonderful questioning to the chairman, as always, in the news conference. Thank you for that on behalf of the whole audience. Really pressing him on those rate cuts, Mike. What was your assessment of what you heard in the last 60 minutes? 
Well, I think basically what we heard was uh, the Fed saying we don't know exactly what we're going to do, so we're going to play it carefully and we will uh, punt on a decision or on forward guidance for now until we get a better read on the economy. Uh, Powell was at pains to say his own personal opinion is we're not going to see a recession, but he also ruled out rate cuts in case uh, somebody is thinking that they might do that soon. So uh, a very cautious Fed here. Uh, if I could, I'd like to ask uh, Bill Dudley a question if he's still with us about that, because um, the data don't change a whole lot in six weeks. What would be the bar for the Fed, since you've been in those meetings, for the Fed to uh, raise rates, to change its mind, to say we need to do more? What would they need to see? I think they'd have to see evidence that the economy isn't slowing, that the labor market's not loosening, that wages aren't coming down, that core inflation's uh, you know not not falling. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, what they're trying to do is assess what is sufficiently restrictive in order to get inflation back down to two percent. Before the banking system problems, they thought sufficiently restrictive was higher than what we are today. In fact, Paul was talking about potentially even doing a 50 basis point rate hike not too long ago. And then the banking uh, problems hit. And so that's caused the Fed to lower their estimate of what sufficiently restrictive is. So the data will inform them about what, what sufficiently restrictive is. If the data is really strong, they'll revise up their notion of what's sufficiently restrictive is. Well, Bill, are but they going to put more weight on get... financial sector data or are they going to put more weight on the data coming from traditional indicators? I think they're going to put a lot of weight on what, what they're seeing in terms of the labor market, wages, and inflation. You know, that's really where they haven't made much progress yet. Uh, they're also going to probably take some signal by what's happening in the housing sector, because if you look at the single-family housing sector, it looks like it's actually stabilizing. So the policy restraint that's already been put in place looks like it's the, the effects of that on housing are starting to fade. But just a final question from us all. This is something Mike McKee's brought up over the last week in my conversations with him, whether this would be a nod to June 2006. You obviously have a deep understanding of the history of the Federal Reserve. Back in June 06, they wrote in the statement, the extent and timing of any additional firming that may be needed to address these risks will depend on the evolution of the outlook and et cetera, et cetera, inflation and economic growth implied by incoming information. Now, Bill, do you think it's a deliberate nod to June 06? when essentially that decision ended up being a pause? No, I don't think they know yet. I think Paul was uh, being truth, very honest when he said that uh, we haven't made any decision about whether we're going to pause yet. I think they think that the probability uh, is higher that they're going to pause, but they haven't actually got there yet. Bill, thanks for that. Wonderful to get your perspective. Bill Dudley there on the latest from Bloomberg Opinion and, of course, the former New York Fed president on this Federal Reserve decision. If you are just tuning in, welcome to the programme on TV and radio. Special coverage here, Bloomberg Surveillance, after hours, late. <laughs> Very late. Tom Keane, Lisa after Bramis, hours. Jonathan Farrow. After hours at like 3pm, which is <laughs> bedtime. It's brought to you by L.L. Bean. we got a pop tent over <laughs> the here. The equity market, 0.6% on the S&P, TK right. in the bond market. We're down seven basis points now, the two-year right now, yeah. three 88. Equities give way. There's no question about it. I've been looking at Apple. We'll get to that tomorrow. But, John, what, what Dr. Dudley said there is extraordinary. He did not mince any words about this institution missing the effect, the slew, the, the, the Newtonian Agreed. rates of change Agreed. of the interest rate move. And there hasn't been enough talk about this. You can do it on a Bloomberg terminal. It's in your face. And to hear that from Bill Dudley, I don't care that he's an ex-official. That was a scathing rebuke of his institution. Failed on regulatory oversight. To some extent, there's been an acknowledgement of that in the most recent yeah, report, and- one. But two, to <clears throat> your point, they increased interest rates aggressively from zero to five. They weren't front-loading. They were catching up. 
And because they had to catch up, you've had this rate shock. And that's what Bill Dudley is talking about. I know we've got to get to Jeff Rosenberg, but basically, folks, this is Bramo and Farrell all wound up, and me and McKee are more institutionally friendly. I'm sorry, some of the people that... (laughs) Let me me clean up what you just said. What you mean by that, and I'll leave Mike out of this, is that you have the establishment view. Yeah, and I we're just questioning it. You know, it's like 2020. They <laughs> just, put their just, pants just, on one just to be clear, <laughs> like <laughs> everybody else. But but the bottom line is, here's a guy with immense experience. Bill was in my book. Blah blah blah. Great. Nobody ever says make it complicated. That is why Nationwide makes simplicity a priority by providing financial professionals with straightforward, client-ready resources, from clear strategies to help clients meet retirement savings and income needs, to ways to cover rising healthcare costs and more. Nationwide simplifies planning so more time can be spent helping clients. Nationwide is on your side. Nationwide Investment Services Corporation, member FINRA, Columbus, Ohio. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. He was scathing about his institution. Debt crises always happen in instruments that are thought of as safe. That is always what has happened. Back in 2007, 2008, it was the triple A rated uh, debt that was tied to mortgage mortgages that were basically bundled together. So here's the question. Has this Federal well, Reserve, and frankly, regulators more <clears throat> generally, just let me finish, have they basically assumed a complete Bravo. lack of risk in some of the benchmark treasuries that they're using as like the safety pools, as the buffers? Yeah. And this really, if it's not appreciated, how much further does it potentially go? You can stock tell it's getting quote. late. You know, no, Grandma's slowly quote. losing it with UTK. Pacific <laughs> West, Pacific <laughs> West easing into the close. I'm sorry, Pacific West is giving me a seven down to 6.52. And when you see people like this with this language, it's enough to make, you know, Jeff Rosenberg's going to get his first gray hair. Jeff's waiting for us. That's why he's aging. Jeff Rosenberg <laughs> of BlackRock joins us right now. Jeff, you followed all of that, not this, all of that meeting in the news conference with Chairman Powell. Jeff, your takeaway, please. Yeah, I, I've got three key takeaways here. You know, first thing is when you just look at the totality of this, this is pretty much on uh, spot on for market expectations. The statement all but basically admits to this is a pause. In the press conference, he tried really hard to not say that, but to say that. And I think it's pretty clear that that's, that's where we're at. Second thing that I took away, I'll call it the new Powell arithmetic as to how he gets to Uh, the pause in that policy is sufficiently restrictive. And so what is that new arithmetic? It's the nominal rate minus 3% inflation gets you to a 2% real rate. Add to that credit tightening and add to that QT. And that's how he gets to sufficiently restrictive. And so I think when we look forward, it's really going to be the assessment on this arithmetic towards sufficiently restrictive. First of all, is 3% the right inflation rate to subtract from that nominal rate? If inflation stays high, that real rate isn't as tight as he's implying. Second piece is, and he admitted this, we don't really know the magnitude of this credit tightening. We only know the directionality. And the third piece is, how much is QT really generating sufficient tightening in the real economy remains kind of um, uh, very unclear. 
Uh, and, and, the, and the third key takeaway here, and, and he talked about this, and Mike McKee, great question because you got this out of him. You know, what about rate cuts in the market? And, and he highlighted that's the difference between the market inflation forecast, which is a very aggressive decline back down to 2%, versus the Fed's forecast, which is for a much more gradual inflation for, uh, decline. And, and that's what separates market expectations for Fed cuts from the Fed's reiteration again here that they will hold rates at this level for a long period of time in contrast to market expectations. So it gets us back to uh, a focus on the inflation data. Does your, is your sense, Jeff, that we just witnessed the last rate hike in this cycle? Well, I, I think we've seen the last rate hike in the consecutive rate hikes. I think there's a pause, and now it's a pause for validation to what I was just describing. Is this really sufficiently restrictive. There was some acknowledgement by the chairman in the data that suggests some uncertainty, that we're not seeing the degree of tightening in the labor market commensurate with a 5% increase in interest rates. We're not yet seeing critical measures of inflation in that services X housing inflation coming down at a pace consistent with the attainment of a 2% goal. So these are kind of the cautionary tales around, and even the statement in the language says, you know, we're not, we're not moving towards cuts next, we're just pausing. Uh, but that doesn't mean that the full cycle is, is ended and, and we can claim success. That is going to be about the evolution and the data. Jeff, do you have confidence that the Fed truly does have a handle on what's going on in the regional banks, given what they acknowledge was some pretty significant oversights? And based on what you see in the granular data that you study every single day in order to make trades? Well, I, I think, you know, the anatomy of a banking crisis is very hard to assess, you know, whether it's it's done. He got the question. He was very careful about answering it. You know, I think it's clear that this first phase, when he identified the three problematic banks now being under resolution, that putting sort of a line under the, the first phase, you know, and I think that's the case. We can see that in the data. You can see the, in you can see that in the deposit flows. Uh, I think he's very reticent to to make too big and too large of a blanket statement on that, right. given the uncertainties that, that uh, we associate with banking crises. I think the second thing is, is really the critical one, and, and that is not the direction of credit tightening. Yes, this is tightened credit. It's important to note, and he highlighted this in the upcoming sluice, uh, as well as in the Beige Book data, we had seen tightening in credit conditions already in place before the March banking crisis. What's unclear here and very hard to measure is what on the margin has this done to accelerate that relative to trends that were already in place for a 500 basis point tightening. And, and as he admitted, oh. with honesty and, and humility, very hard to make that assessment. And I think that's the, the right assessment in terms of the magnitude of the quantity right. of the credit tightening. And Jeff, we're seeing the banks roll over here as well. Uh, Keith Briette and Woods Index uh, moves down to new lows back to 2020. Uh, and I also would point PacWest moving over just as one of the banks uh, having a tough afternoon of it. Jeff Rosenberg, the fact is what I'm looking at is a three-month, 10-year spread. The short, short T-bill versus the benchmark. It's in truly in the cliches uncharted territory. It is out 54 fitted standard deviations with a velocity to an ever greater inversion. 
which part of that barbell matters, looking at the three-month uh, dynamic or looking at the 10-year dynamic? You're going to hate this answer, Tom, but, uh, you know, both uh, matter and they're, they're telling you different stories, right? The, the front end is telling you about the extent of where we are in terms of policy and, yep. and, and, the, and the, the tightening that has, has happened. The long end is telling you about the confidence in the market forecast for uh, inflation to turn right back down to 2%. You can also argue, and I think there's merit to these arguments, that there's some risk premium in there. There's some tail risks scenarios that are reflected in, in the 10-year. There is the expectation for the Fed to react to those kind of growth shock, tail risk shock by easing monetary policy. Right. And there's a forecast here that inflation goes right back down uh, to 2% pretty, pretty aggressively. So I think that's what's the message of that deep inversion. You know, you, you can also say that that's telling you that you're not going to get that inflation decline without a deeper recession than, say, Powell is forecasting. Right. So all those things are, are in, 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 implicit in that uh, amount of curve. What's inversion. important here, Lisa, is we're going to standard deviation uh, analysis. It seems like not every chart, but half the charts I'm looking at, I'm now looking at the size of the move given the trend, which is what you do with standard deviations. And frankly, that's what you do on the edge, in crisis, coming out of crisis. I mean, that's sort of the tonier you get, again, with SPX off 23 points. And PacWest down 4%, a similar kind of move uh, in Western Alliance shares as we degrade heading into the close. I do wonder, Jeff, your comment on Drew Mattis's point, Drew Mattis of MetLife. He wrote in saying, what a missed opportunity to provide relief to the banks. An unexpected pause could have flushed out shorts in the sector and created more breathing room. What is your view, Jeff? Do you think that this was a missed opportunity to throw a lifeline to some of the spiraling uh, prices that we've seen in the regional banking sector. You know, he, he sort of got that question a little bit, you know, when he got the question, why, why didn't you pause? And, and he gave an answer that was about getting to sufficiently restrictive. But I, I think the subtext, which he didn't discuss, but I think it is something that is important, is the potential for creating an overreaction by financial markets, right? So he was very much taking pains to not use the word pause, leading you basically up to it without saying it. And I think that was prescripted, again, to avoid what we had seen in other uh, FOMC uh, press conferences, a, an overreaction, a, a too large of an easing in financial conditions, right? So remember, the Fed's perspective here is we haven't won the battle on inflation. Inflation is still well way too high, 4.6% on core PCE. So they don't want to give the market any reason to ease the financial conditions tightening. And I think the pause and the early pause, and yeah, there's a banking system perspective on that, but there's yeah. the broader system perspective and that the tightening in credit conditions is actually aligned with their inflation objectives. And so they don't want to push too far back uh, against that and create an unintended easing in financial conditions uh, at this point in the inflation fighting, which is not yet uh, won. You need a PhD in psychology. <laughs> Jeff Rosenberg of BlackRock. Jeff, thank you, sir. Yeah, no, that's thank accurate. you very much. That's talk, accurate. Talk about surveillance. You're talking about <laughs> All of the, above, the uh, game theory. Your equity market hear. breaking down a little bit here, I've got to say. Pac West is down about 3.8% or so. Western Alliance is negative as well. We're down two there by 4%. The equity market breaking down on the S&P by 0.6%. Here's a final line from Thomas Thornton of Hedge Fund Telemetry. No rate cuts for you. 
seems to be the takeaway right now. <laughs> Going into the close, here's some coverage for you. Seema Shah, Chief Global Strategist at Principal Asset Management alongside Scarlett Fu and Remain Bostick. Looking forward to their conversation tomorrow morning on Bloomberg Surveillance. Ben Laidler, Jane Foley, Wei Lee. We go from the Federal Reserve to the ECB tomorrow. Apple after the close on Thursday, then on to payrolls. From New York City, thank you for choosing Bloomberg TV and radio. This was Bloomberg Surveillance. This is Bloomberg. 